0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Does it mean that we have intellect, emotions, and will? Or maybe, just as God is a trinity, the fact that we are made in the image of God refers to the three parts of the human makeup, such as a body, soul, and spirit. Or does it refer to something else entirely? Well, I go with option number three, something else entirely. We'll see what that something else is in today's episode when we look at Genesis 1:26 Before we get there I want to introduce you to my partner my sponsor for this month and it's you Listen I am so overwhelmed by many of your uh, giving your donations your generosity so far we're about halfway through the month at the day I'm recording this and so far two-thirds of my blogging and podcasting expenses have been covered for this month so if you gave, thank you so much I really, really, really appreciate it uh, and if you didn't listen I thank you for listening um, the fact that you listen it, it, it encourages me as well just to see the number of people who listen uh, to this show now if you're still thinking of giving let me, let me uh, invite you to consider something different for the coming year I did some quick math, and if just 10% of the people who listen to this blog gave just $10 a month, uh, my blogging expenses, my podcasting expenses, my writing expenses would be covered every month going forward. If just 10% of the people who listen to this podcast gave just $10 a month. So if that's something you're considering, even if you're only able to give $5 a month, uh, that would just be wonderful. And... uh, I'm just amazed at your generosity. Thank you so very much for those of you who have given and for those of you who are thinking of giving before the end of the year. If you, if you want to partner with me in that way, you can go to redeeminggod.com slash partner. Read more about what I do, what I write, and why I'm asking help, asking people to help partner with me in this way. Thank you so much for considering this. Now, let's get on with the show. All right, so in the last two episodes, we've looked at two ideas from Genesis 1:26 and 28. The first idea was why Moses uses plural pronouns for God in Genesis 1:26. 20, it says, Let us make man in our image. And I suggested there that the reason was uh, what I call the plural of relationship. And it can also be seen in the fact that uh, when God did make mankind, he made him male and female. Male and female, he created them, it says. So the male and female in relationship is partly what it means to be made in the image of God. Then last week, we looked at this concept of what it means to have dominion over the earth. And I stated that this was a pretty shocking statement by Moses, because in stating that humans have dominion, Moses was essentially putting humans in the place where most other religions had gods. And we went on to see that this gift of dominion was not for the purpose of exploiting God's creation, but really was for the purpose of protecting it, of caring for it, of, of even serving it. And whereas other religions in Moses' day had various gods you know, carrying out various functions, and mankind was created to serve the gods, Uh, In Moses' creation account, it is mankind who is given this privilege and responsibility. So, uh, in Genesis 1, humanity is placed in the position that is normally reserved for, in other religions from that time, for the gods alone. And and so, that, that was this concept of dominion and rulership over the earth. So, uh, those two episodes led, lead us to our study today, where we begin to finally look at this concept of the image of God in Genesis one twenty six. The last two two episodes really have been leading up to our study today. So, if you haven't listened to those, just pause this one, go over to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to my podcast and download those episodes and listen to them there. Uh, they, they lay a lot of foundation for what we're going to look at today. And in fact, uh, this study on the image of God is going to take two episodes. It's really long and it's not really long. It's very detailed and important. And so I wanted to make sure I covered it properly rather than trying to summarize it quickly. So we're going to look at this concept of the image of God uh, in this episode and in next week's episode. So the question we want to consider is this. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And uh, the primary problem with most discussions, if you've read anything, read commentaries, read studies, heard sermons on this, you might have heard different people say different things. And in my opinion, uh, the primary problem with, with the way most of these discussions go is the logic. the logic goes this way. Well, humans are made in the image of God and animals are not. That's clear from the text. So what separates humans from animals? And whatever it is... That is what it must mean to be made in the image of God. You follow that logic? They try to differentiate or or, or discover or learn what separates humans from animals. And if they find something, then they say, well, that must be it. Uh, And when scholars and theologians do that, when they head down that road, there are numerous views that get developed. I'm not going to summarize all the views. A couple of the more popular ones, for example... There are a few groups out there that claim that since mankind is made in the image of God, that must mean that God looks like a human. You know, there is no animal. Yeah, apes and monkeys, I suppose, look somewhat similar as far as, you know, their structure and so on. But, but uh, even still, mankind has a, a distinctive look. And so there are some sort of fringe groups out there and say, well, uh, God looks like us. <laughs> you know, physically, he looks like us. Uh, The fact that man is made in the image of God means that God, if you were to see God, he would look like a human. Uh, Look, that is an outlandish view, and so many other passages in the Bible contradict that. Uh, Even the immediate context here of Genesis 1 uh, disproves that view. So so, uh, I'm not going to say anything more about that idea, but some do hold it. Uh, There are some who say that the image of God is, sort of as I indicated in the introduction, this idea of Trinity. God is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are certain passages in the Bible that speak of humans as being made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And so, therefore, that's the image of God. We have three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Same way God is three in one, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, I don't think Moses believed in the Trinity. I know he didn't. And so we cannot say that this is what Moses had in mind when he wrote this text. One of the more popular views on what it means to be made in the image of God is this concept of humans having intellect, emotions, and will. You've probably heard this view in the past. In fact, depending on how long you've read my blog, I have actually taught that on my blog in the past. If you really want to go read that blog post, I'll include a link to it in the show notes. So I've taught it in many past. It's a very popular view. I found it in many of the commentaries that I read in preparing for today's episode. But I no longer hold that view. Why not? Well, for one thing, as far as I can tell, that view comes primarily from Greek philosophy about what separates humans from the animals. You had these Greek philosophers sitting around saying, why are we different from animals? What makes us better, different, superior to the animals? And using philosophy and logic, and I have nothing against philosophy and logic, I love both, Uh, But they came up with the idea, well, we have superior intellect, we have better will, we have uh, advanced emotions, and so on, and so that is what makes us, us different. And somewhere along the way, some biblical theologians picked this up and said, ah, look, all truth is God's truth, so these philosophers, these Greek philosophers, came up with what separates humans from animals, and therefore that must be what it means to be made in the image of God. Uh, look, if we're going to find you know, I I don't have an argument with that necessarily, except I prefer, if possible, to allow Scripture to be our guide and tell us what the words in Scripture means. I I love philosophy and I love logic, but if, if the Bible tells us, in the context of Genesis 1, does tell us what it means to be made in the image of God, I think that we should go with that route first before we start consulting logic and philosophy and so on. Again, The approach I'm going to take is still very logical, nothing against logic, uh, but uh, we don't want to start there. We want to start with scripture itself. Um, And by the way, another reason that I reject that view is not just because it has roots in Greek philosophy, but science, modern science has disproved it. Various branches of modern science have shown without a doubt that nearly all species of the animal kingdom have some level of intellect, emotions, and will animals are not mere beasts of the field which operate solely on base instinct yeah they have instinct but humans have instinct too Uh, and they have emotions yeah maybe human emotions are more keen or more advanced or something but we all know if you have a pet you know that your animal has emotions and animals also can reason things out and solve problems. Again, some animals are better at this than, than others, but they have, they have a will. They have logic, sol- problem-solving skills, and they have an intellect. Animals can make wise decisions based on circumstances and, and the evidence. They can learn from mistakes and learn from their past. And so basically, the more we learn about animals and how they think and why they do what they do, the more we realize that humans are not the only species on earth with intellect, emotions, and will. We're maybe more advanced than theirs, but some days, <laughs> some days I wonder about that even as well. Uh, look, here, here's the thing. If we say that the thing that separates humans from animals, the thing that defines how we are made in the image of God is our intellect, emotions, and will, well, then all we really have to say is that, well, then what we have to say, I guess, is that humans uh, animals also are made in the image of God they just have a lower degree of it and i don't think any of us want to say that there is something very special very specific about the image of God in mankind in genesis 1 and so what we really need to do is is look at the text itself for the clues for the keys which help us define and understand what this image of God is so that's what we're going to do in the rest of today's episode and in next week's episode I have discovered, I have found four keys, four contextual keys, which help us define and understand what it means to be made in the image of God. We're going to look at the first one today and then we will look at the final three next week. All right, so the first one is the textual context. Uh, this this text is right in or this context, this key is right in Genesis 1 itself. The others, sort of start to branch out into other areas of Scripture and theology. So this this first key is in the text of Genesis 1 itself. Now, first then, there are the words themselves. The words used to describe humanity are, here in English anywhere, that we are made in the image and likeness of God. The Hebrew, if you are using your Logos Bible software, is tsalam and demut. All right? Image and likeness of God. Uh, In the Bible, the two terms are only used together, image and likeness, here and in Genesis 5.3. And over there we read that Adam bore a son in his image and likeness. But when you take them separately and sort of look at how these words are used elsewhere in Scripture, the word image, Selem, T-S-E-L-E-M, it's used 17 times in the Bible, and uh, 10 of those refer to various types of physical images, such as uh, carvings, pictures, idols, even a shadow of a person or shadow of something. The word likeness, demut, occurs 25 times, and uh, it usually refers to sort of a a miniature model, you know, like an architect might build a little miniature model of the building he's going to construct, sort of a 3D plan or something, and that's what likeness means. Now, so a lot of commentaries and studies on on the image and likeness of man, they they make a lot of these uh, these word studies. And again, I don't have anything against word studies, uh, but I just think that word studies are typically of limited value. To understand what is meant by the phrase image and likeness in Genesis 1, it is best and most helpful to, again, look at the immediate context itself, the textual context. And when we do that, we see that uh, when God sets out to create humans, he uses these plural pronouns for himself. Let us make man in our image. And then when he creates humans, we read that God created them, male and female, together as the image of God. And we talked about all that previously. I don't want to repeat it all. But again, that's a textual key to tell us what what is meant when by God when he makes man in his image. Again, animals also have relationships, if you're thinking along with me here. And so that can't be the only thing, because animals live in relationships as well. But it's a starting place. It's a starting place. Relationships, the plural of relationship is a starting place. Another clue in the text itself, again, the thing we saw last week, is this concept of dominion. And again, uh, dominion is something that animals, they don't exactly share. They, They do have sort of local spheres over which they rule you know we speak of the the what the lion as the the king of the jungle or something and that's just because he's the most powerful and the strongest and the most vicious or something but no animal really has dominion over the earth the same way that humans do but again in a lesser degree some of them do and uh, so but again uh, this concept of dominion is something that plays into and builds on and prepares the reader to understand what is meant by humans being made in the image of God. Uh, Dominion and relationships are two of the immediate clues, the textual, contextual clues as to what it means to to be made in the image of God. But here's uh, the real key, I think, in the context. And it is what we have been seeing in numerous other places, and I've been hinting at numerous times as we have worked our way through Genesis 1. I've mentioned it numerous times, that there are seven key activities of God in Genesis 1. And and by way of reminder, they are this. uh, Creating, caring, seeing, separating, communicating, redeeming, and ruling. Now, there's different words, sort of synonyms used for some of these words. For example, caring, you could use the words relating or loving or providing. I think when I was talking about seeing, I equated it with naming or even judging and so on. And so, but in Genesis 1, we see these seven key activities of God. And we're going to see in Genesis 2, in fact, uh, in the rest of the entire Bible, that all of these seven activities are given to humans to perform as well. They're not just God's activities. They are God's activities, which he then gives to humans to perform in his name. Uh, In fact, just even here in Genesis 1, you don't have to wait till Genesis 2. Even here in Genesis 1, we see several of these immediately given to humans. Like uh, in verses we're going to look at here in, uh, what, two or three episodes, I guess. Uh, God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Well, what is that? That's a form of creating, When we multiply, we are creating new life on the earth. And that was one of the first activities of God, creating. Uh, Then there's caring, Uh, the fact that we're made in relationship, male and female, he created them. That indicates that we are made to care for each other, to relate to each other. Uh, That's loving and providing for one another. Uh, it's not just one another we care for either, though, even here in the context, uh, having dominion. This, this is the, this idea of caring for the animals, caring for the plants. He's down in Genesis 1.30, God says the plants and trees are also given to the animals as food. All right, And so since the animals are under our dominion, that means that we are partly responsible for their care, to feed them, to care for them, to provide for them. Uh, then even this responsibility of ruling again going back to this concept of dominion he gives us dominion and what does that mean it means we're to rule and have authority over the birds the fish the animals and the plants and the trees Uh, even redeeming you might say well where's redeeming in this you know we think of only redeeming as having something to do with sin but uh, even redeeming is seen here in genesis 1 how so well uh, i've brought it out over and over and over again, that by the way, in the way Moses writes Genesis 1, he is actually redeeming some of the religious values and ideas that were found in other cultures and other religions of his day. I pointed it out as we go through Genesis 1, almost every verse in this chapter contains some sort of theological polemic against various religious ideas and practices that that were common in Moses' day among the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Canaanites. So Moses is not just he's not writing Genesis 1 to refute those religions. I mean he is, it's a theological polemic, but more than anything what Moses is doing is redeeming those religions. That's a challenging idea, isn't it? He takes what is good From those religions, what is right, where they have been listening to the whispering of the Holy Spirit in their lives and in their culture... And Moses points it out and says, yes, that is good. That is right. This is true. All truth is God's truth, no matter where it is found. And Moses finds some in these other religions, and then he redeems it. He fixes it. He tweaks it. He corrects it. He redirects people away from those false idols and false beliefs to the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, So redeeming also is seen here in Genesis 1, just simply in how Moses writes the text. And, you know, even even here in the context, the the role of humans is a perfect example. Other religions relegate humans to nothing more than these lowly servants of the gods. And and so what what does Moses do? He takes this concept of how the gods created humans, and that idea is found in the other creation texts. But Moses redeems it, and he says, yes, God created humans, just as we read in the Enuma Elish and, and these Egyptian creation myths and so on. But, and here's where Moses redeems it. Moses says God didn't create us just so that we could serve him and do his work on earth. No, God created us so that we could rule and so that we could have dominion, so that we could be in the position of gods on the earth. Isn't that interesting? Take uh, the role of men and women. Again, back then, even sometimes today, women are relegated as second-class citizens, inferior to men. That was especially true back in the days of Moses women were viewed as, as uh, possessions of men able to the men were able to beat them and divorce them and sell them and even kill them so moses comes along and he first puts them in relationship with together and then he says that they are together the image of god so that's that's redeeming women in a sense putting them on equal footing with men Anyway, two examples, a couple examples. There's lots and lots of other examples in Genesis 1 about how Moses is redeeming certain values and beliefs and cultural uh, practices from his day. Redemption's a key activity in the Bible, uh, and it's a central activity of God in Genesis 1 even by how Moses is writing the text. Anyway, lots of other actions in Genesis 1, naming, seeing, judging. Uh, throughout this chapter, we've seen uh, that what God, after God na- makes something, he names it, uh, chapter concludes, verse 31, one, uh, Genesis one thirty one, with God seeing all that he has made and calling it very good. Interesting thing, though, in Genesis 1, uh, God is the God who sees. And after mankind is made in the image of God, it's no surprise that God later invites mankind to see what God has made. It says Genesis Okay, Immediately after he makes God, he says, see, all right? And then uh, later, he invites Adam to name the animals that he sees. That's Genesis 2.19. Okay, on and on and on. God takes the activities that he has performed in Genesis 1, and then he hands these activities over to mankind so that they can do them. And I believe this is a huge contextual key for what it means to be made in the image of God. In Genesis 1 and 2, there are seven key activities of God that are given to humans to perform. And this, I believe, is the central idea of what it means to be made in the image of God. To be made in the image of God is to do what God is doing. It's to live as God lives. It's to be his mere image on earth. To live as the image of God, to to exist as the image of God, is to copy God, to emulate God, to imitate God. The image of God in, in man primarily describes functions, not appearance. It's not qualities. It describes what people do more than what people are. And not surprisingly, we'll see a little bit more of this next week, but not surprisingly, this is exactly what we see in Jesus Christ. Uh, to live as the image of God is to do what Jesus did in the Gospels. Jesus says in John 5 and, and John 12 that he only does what he sees the Father doing. Well, guess what? As the image of God, ourselves, that is what we're to do. We are only to do what we see God doing. And in Genesis 1, we see him doing these seven actions, and then he sees, we see him telling Adam and Eve to also do these seven actions. So guess what? You and me, we're to do these seven actions. We are to do what we see God doing. God says to you and to me, just as he says to Adam and Eve, the things you have seen and heard in me, do these to others also. This is what John Walton points out sort of in his book, Uh, The Lost World of Genesis 1. He says that the creation account's not so much about form as it is about function. And in Genesis 1, God creates functions, and then he creates functionaries to perform the functions. Uh, Following that logic, then, the, the greatest functionary of all is created on the sixth day, mankind. And what function is assigned to mankind? Well, we're to carry out the functions that God has been carrying out so far in the creation account. We are to only do what we see the Father doing. So uh, that's the first textual context, first key, first clue to help us understand what it means to be made in the image of God. We'll look at the next three next time. Uh, but that's that's the first one. So to close out today's show, I, basically I just want you to think about those seven activities of God that we've seen in Genesis 1 and ask yourself how you as a person who is made in the image of God can reveal God to those around you by practicing some of these activities. I'm not going to go through all seven. Uh, let me just give you a few suggestions on on a couple of them. Uh, take creating for example. I don't know if you have hobbies. If you like to do crafts, maybe you like to bake. Maybe you're a painter, a musician. Maybe so. So ask yourself: Can you create something this week? Christmas is coming up. Can you make a gift? For, and, and give it to somebody for Christmas? Make a batch of cookies. Take a take them over to your neighbor. Write a song. Okay. Do a painting. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what... <laughs> speaking of multiplying and covering the earth, look, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe you can spend some time with your spouse and work on creating a child this week. That too is creating... All right, so there's a variety of ways as humans that we can create. Pick one and do it. How about caring? It's another a key activity of God. Can you care for someone this week? Maybe a family member is stressed out by Christmas, and you can help them out with their workload. Maybe you got a neighbor who's sick, and, and you can run an errand for them, or maybe they're not able to put up a Christmas tree this year, and so you can go get one and surprise them, put it up, decorate it for them. Maybe you can... Care for the person you know you're at the grocery store who's who's just checking you out and they're having a hard day and short tempers all around because of holiday shopping and look you can give them a smile and you can say thank you that's a way to care for them and brighten their day. How about communicating? Can you work on communicating this week? Maybe your relationship with one of your children's gone bad can you call them up and take them out for lunch, start a conversation about how much you love them. Maybe you've wanted to write a book, start a blog, go for it. Communicate with someone this week. There's a variety of ways we can communicate. When you do these things, or really anything God has laid on your heart to do, it is then that you are living and acting as God's image in the world. And when you do that, guess what? When people see you, they see God. When you do these things for other people, you become a reflection of God's glory. You become a vessel of God's glory. You become God's glory in the flesh. So, since you are God's hands, His feet, His mouth, His glory, who is going to see you See God in you today. I really want to thank you for listening. I hope what we covered today sort of gave you a introduction into what it means, a new understanding and what it means to be the image of God, but more than that, not just a theological understanding, but a practical understanding on how you can begin to live, to consciously live as the image of God to the people around you. You have unique talents, gifts, abilities, characteristics, traits, which God has given to you alone, and so you alone can live as the image of God that He has intended you to be to the people around you to your plants and your house and to the neighbors, to your animals even to the people you interact with at work and to your family you are the image of God so pick an activity, one of those seven activities and begin to act it out to the people around you this week if this podcast episode you found beneficial I would love it if you would share it with somebody else invite other people to listen as well Send them an email. Mention it in your conversation. It's one of the greatest things you can do. Great encouragement to me as I see more and more people listening to this podcast every week. Thank you so much for listening. And depending on how close you are to Christmas when you listen to this, let me tell you, Merry Christmas. See you in the next episode when we continue to look at the final three keys on what it means to be made in the image of God. See you then.